We're going to hear from Amalia today, uh, who is going to talk about how she prepared her application for medical school, the typical life and schedule of a third-year medical student, as well as appropriate footwear for uh, med students uh, going about the wards and performing their daily functions. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, welcome to another edition of Talking About Admissions and Medical Student Life. Uh, Dr. Chan here, uh, and I'm pleased to announce our uh, guest is Amalia. Say hi, Amalia. Hello. Um, great having you here. So um, let's like I'll let Amalia kind of introduce herself, where you're from, um, you know, how you got here, and I'll take it from there. All right. So I was born in California, but we moved to Salt Lake when I was like two. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in Salt Lake mostly. Um, I always sort of thought I wanted to be a doctor because my dad's a doctor. Um, I have many photos of me wandering around the U Hospital ER in a diaper um, when my dad worked there. Mm-hmm. So I always knew I wanted to do that. Um, thought I don't I w- think that was very hygienic, but <laughs> hopefully they didn't call it Child Protective Services. This was the yeah. 90s, oh, so, this was the 90s. you know. Yes. All right. <laughs> Hygiene hadn't really been invented yet. Um, so for a while, I thought I wanted to be a ballet dancer. So mm-hmm. I went and tried my hand at that. And then realized I was much more well suited for science. Mm-hmm. Then went to college. Then so let's back up. So okay. you kind of have an interesting college experience. You yes. got into, uh, I would say, an, a very early college program. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. Yeah, so um, after halfway through high school, after tenth grade, I just left high school, and I was, went to Weber State for their early college program. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's that program like? I mean, like. So it's designed so that during high school, you can take some college classes okay. to earn some credits. So I... Do you get start, to live in the dorms? Um, well, you could have. I didn't. Okay. I lived in a house. Um, so you are supposed to go to high school and college at the same time, but I just went to college. And then instead of graduating from high school, I got my associate's degree. Okay. So if I understand you correctly, you're all in the same classes as all the college students. And there was no limitation to what classes you could take. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so you got your associates to what age? What age are you supposed to be when you graduate from high school? That Typ- age? Typically 18. 18. Yeah. I'm okay. pretty sure I was, or I was probably 17 because I would, I turned 18 that summer okay. after. And then where'd you go? Then I went to the University of Utah. Okay. Um, and then I sort of regrouped with all of the people that were my own age and I did um, four years at the U. So I actually did a six year undergrad. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what'd you study? Um, sort of everything for a while. And then I landed on biochemistry as my major, mostly because at the end of like my second year at the U, I looked at what credits I had and that overlapped most with what classes I wanted to take. <laughs> mm, excellent. And then at what point in this journey did you decide to become a physician? Oh, like when I was like five. Okay. So you knew <laughs> since you're five years old, yeah. back in the ER, yes. dirty diaper, yep. wondering where your dad is. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So obviously you applied to mm-hmm. the University of Utah School of Medicine. Uh, what did you do to prepare? Um, so I really liked the, you was specific about the requirements that they wanted, which was helpful to sort of guide me on what to do. So I basically tried to do all of the things in those six or whatever number categories. So I volunteered at Primary Children's. Um, I volunteered... What did you do at Primary Children's? Um, I was on Kids Crew. So okay. you just go play with kids. It's adorable. Okay. It's super fun. We have a lot of people apply to do Kids Crew. So mm-hmm. um, is, 
So the main activity is playing with children. Is there any, anything else you would say that's associated with so, that? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so, like, um, I'm really crafty. Okay. So I, like, sort of designed, I guess, a lot of, like, crafts and activities for kiddos. So for those um, who are interested, all the high, uh, all the high school, because they take high school students, right? Kids I think group. so, yeah. Right. So how do you get involved? I mean, do you just call primaries, or is there an so, online application? Or Yeah, so you, there is an online application, okay. but nothing has. The, the trick is to not do the online application, because no one looks at those. Mm-hmm. So y- if you call the volunteer office, they'll tell you what uh, to do. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so I did that, and then I taught a class on asthma for um, elementary school-age children for the mm-hmm. American Lung Association. And I should have, like, brought my application. Um I worked in a research lab for like two years. That was probably the most helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> part of my application. Um, I shadowed extensively, mostly because it was fun. Okay. Did you practice your interviewing skills? Yes. I was that crazy person. Like at a stoplight, you would look over and there's someone like talking to themselves and using a lot of hand gestures. That was me. So that's when I practiced okay. my interview skills. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And it sounds like you got in on your first try. Mm-hmm. All right. So... And you're a current third-year student now, mm-hmm. right? So how are your first two years of medical school? How would you describe them? Um, so I think this is important. The first week of med school, maybe week and a half, I absolutely hated it. Mm. I thought I had made the wrong decision, and I thought it was going to be awful. And then suddenly it just started to This is the week feel... of orientation or no, the no, week no, of classes? No, 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 the week after. So right. orientation so, was fine. There's... So the first week of classes. Yeah, okay. the first week of classes was just – our first lecture was uh, – Embryology, okay. and Dr. Kondik is using all of these large words that I had never heard of, and I had no idea what she was talking about, and mm-hmm. there were like 5,000 slides, and people were taking notes like crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had no idea what was happening, mm-hmm. so it was very stressful. And so during your first block, the first block is called Foundations of Medicine, I guess mm-hmm. correct? There's a weekly test. Mm-hmm. Um, does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. So how'd you do on your first test? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm so, trying to figure out if your horrible week was anything oh, no, linked no, no. to your test score. No, yeah. so I, I did like the same. I am like the same place on every single test ever mm-hmm. in med school. I'm like you're constant. Yes, <laughs> somewhere yeah. above average, not mm-hmm. in the excellent category. So I did fine on the test. Um, so what changed? Uh, I think I just got used to it, and I think I realized that. I think I thought that everyone else in the class was like way smarter than me and mm-hmm. understood what was happening. And I think the more I talked to people, everyone else was just as stressed out and mm-hmm. confused as I was. <laughs> I think medical school is fairly competitive. And I think there's the perception, yeah, that people around you are just absorbing all this knowledge more easily. But I think everyone's kind of in the same boat. So yeah. I would think. So. Yeah. So after the first week, then it got better. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I loved it. So what's been your favorite block or course so far during the first two years of med school? Um, probably, uh, what is the cancer one? Molecule cells and cancer. MCC, molecule yes. cells and cancer. Why? Why'd you like that one? Um, I think, uh, like, I don't even know. So oncology is, um, super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't actually do that as a specialty, but I think it's so interesting. Just the normal physiology sort of being overtaken mm-hmm. and it's just a variation of normal except mm-hmm. in overdrive. So molecules, cells, and cancer, that was your favorite book. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of activities were you engaged with during your first two years in med school? Extracurricular or school-sponsored? Uh, I volunteered at the 4th Street Homeless Clinic okay. frequently. That's downtown Salt Lake City. Yeah, they have a Saturday clinic that's, um, there's one provider and then like four or five medical students mm-hmm. that 
And that's a great opportunity. You get to see all the patients basically and practice the things that you're learning on actual people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I did that probably at least like one or two times a month. Okay. And then um, during second year, I was one of the presidents of the surgery interest group. Okay. So we organized lunch lectures, activities, shadowing, mentoring. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell, when I talk to your classmates, you're known as the budding surgeon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why do you laugh? Because uh, it's true. Okay. And people tease me about it all the time. So how long have you known you wanted to be a surgeon? Um, probably since like a year before med school. Okay. What Was it like a, a really cool shadowing experience or how did you come to that? So I took an EMT class okay. um, at some point in undergrad. And one of the paramedics told me that there was a doctor also named Amalia. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a weird name. I've mm-hmm. never met anyone else named Amalia. So I emailed her. I basically said, hey, we have the same name. Let's hang out. <laughs> All right. So she is a fabulous lady surgeon in the burn unit here. Okay. And I spent countless hours up there with her. And I was like, this is it. You're cool. Mm-hmm. I want to be a surgeon. Okay. Done. Very cool. So let's go back to the surgery interest group. You were mm-hmm. a president? Uh, there's two of us, so co-president. Okay. And what mm-hmm. does a interest group like, what does a surgical interest group do in medical school? So we tried to have um, monthly lunches for all of the med students, um, years one through four, whoever okay. was interested and could make it. Mm-hmm. And we would bring in surgeons from different subspecialties. Um, we had a match panel at the end of the year with fourth years who just matched into surgery. So we had a monthly activity or a monthly lunch. And then we had some after school activities. So we did suture clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had like five suture clinics or something. Those were a big hit to sort mm-hmm. of teach people like some basic suturing, knot tying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, we organized shadowing and mentoring for interested students, hooked them up with docs that we knew were friendly and okay. would encourage people to go into surgery. <laughs> Excellent. And so going to be a surgeon. Sounds like you're pretty dedicated. Have mm-hmm. you t- decided what type of field in surgery? So if I had to pick right now, I would go into cardiothoracic surgery, okay. but it really could be anything. Okay. For those who aren't familiar with cardiothoracic or CT surgery, what, what kind of surgeon is that? So cardio means heart and mm-hmm. thoracic refers to the chest. So they do heart surgeries, like bypass surgeries, transplants. Okay. Um, they do lung transplants. They do um, lung surgery, so taking out cancer or... Do they do heart transplants? They do do heart transplants. Okay. And then they also do, um, Some people don't realize this, they do some operations on the stomach. So that's mm. their one below the diaphragm organ that they mess with. Mm-hmm. So they're heavily involved in the esophagus and the stomach. Those are pretty long surgeries. Yes. Have you started shadowing a cardiothoracic surgeon? Yep. What's the average length of a surgery? Um, so he's really fast. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what his average Fast, is. but careful, I hope. Yes. Okay. Um, it varies depending on who is operating with you. If you have a fellow, so like a student, but that's at the end of their training, mm-hmm. the surgery takes much longer. Um, the longest surgery I've been in with him was probably 11 hours. 11 hours. Mm-hmm. Wow. How'd mm-hmm. you get through it? Um, what, what tips or techniques do you have to share for all those out there who <laughs> might find themselves standing for 11 hours? It, seriously, it doesn't feel like 11 hours. Like, you look at the clock, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's been six hours, mm-hmm. and it feels like it's been one. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so interesting. You don't mm-hmm. even care. You okay. don't notice. But I suppose if you weren't interested, it would suck. <laughs> <laughs> it could. It could. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's talk some more about surgery. I think, you know, it's a very fascinating process, a surgical mm-hmm. process. Um, obviously, what do you have to do before you start surgery? Like, Actually, like right before, like scrubbing. Scrub in. Okay. So, mm-hmm. t- t- talk about the scrubbing in process. So, I think like you see it a lot on television shows. Yeah. And 
I'm pretty sure it's not accurately displayed this in television is true. shows. So what does the scrubbing process look like, especially from the vantage point of a medical school? Yeah. So first off, you have to uh, look super cool in your blue scrubs, mm-hmm. generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to put that really attractive bonnet on, which they don't wear in Grey's Anatomy because they want to look good. So they wear the... You're talking like a hairnet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what do, it is. It's a hairnet. Do they actually really. call it a bonnet? Is that ER term? I mean, is that <laughs> OR terminology? Uh, only... No, no, it's called a bouffant. That's what it's called. A the bouffant. Bouffant okay, cap. Right. The French have invaded the OR. Exactly. Okay. So All you right. put that on. That's super good looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and a mask, which is also nice. Okay. Um, you want some eye protection as well okay. for the squirting bodily fluids. Mm-hmm. So then you... And you say mask for mouth as well as eyes, like a shield? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I put a mask on and then like little goggles. Okay. Um, so it's it's a really attractive mm-hmm. process. Um, and then to scrub in, you basically try to take off the first 10 layers of your skin. Okay. <laughs> um, you and, then, and there's those big sinks right outside the OR. Yeah. Right? So they're, I don't even know how to describe them. They're just giant, large sinks. And um, because you use your hands, they're all operated by pedals on the floor. So well, with your knees, actually. Your knees now. Okay. Because uh-huh. oh, when I went through medical school, <laughs> it was all on the floor. But now they progress to knee technology. Yeah. So you knee the side of the sink, mm-hmm. and it turns the water on. And okay. then if you're a rookie, you forget to adjust the temperature. So the first time I scrubbed it, I burned the crap out of my hands. Wow. Because you can't change the temperature once you've started. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you have to start over. Um, <laughs> so that's good. So yeah. then you use, um, they have like little pre-med sponges mm-hmm. um, that have the soap built into them. And I actually think this is a very relaxing process. It like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yoga for me. It's like meditation. Um, so you have to scrub for about, I don't know how long it takes, like three or four minutes mm-hmm. is how long a and you good start scrub. your hands and you work your way to your elbows, mm-hmm. right? In that order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you actually first start with your fingernails. Okay. Use a little uh, okay. plastic thing to go under the nails, push the cuticle back. Okay. Um, little manicure. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So then you scrub, um, Try to take everything off for about four minutes, and mm-hmm. then you rinse your hands, which hopefully your water is not boiling hot. Okay. <laughs> so then you turn the sink off with your knee, mm-hmm. and then you walk backwards into the OR. Well, haul it in your hands high up in the yeah, air, kind of like a touchdown sign exactly. in football. Okay. So you can't yeah. touch anything, and you also can't let your arms drip. Well, you can't let your hands drip down your arm, and you can't let your elbows drip onto your clothes. Okay. Because um, the theory is... is it, the the dirty water is flowing down, mm-hmm. so try to keep your hands the most sterile. I yeah, guess. Okay. yeah. And then, so we call it like the booty backup because you have to like back through the doors, mm-hmm. um, which is nice when you run into people accidentally. Mm-hmm. And then the scrub nurse helps you because um, you can't touch anything with your hands. You can't touch anything, or you have to re- go back and redo. And the you whole have to process do the whole thing again. all over okay. again. Yeah. Did you have Have you ever had to go back and redo? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Did you voluntarily do it, or were you caught by someone? Well, both, but I mean, it was like, you know when you break scrub, and everyone just looks at each other, and you're just like, ugh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So then the scrub nurse hands you a towel. You dry your hands off in a very systematic fashion. Okay. Um, And then your scrub nurse, if they're nice, will help you into your gown. So gown first? Yes, gown first. All right. And then they help you into your gloves, which is a process I am not good at. (laughs) So this entire time, you have to put on the gown. Mm -hmm. And if I recall correctly, it's kind of like a dance Mm -hmm. while you're continuing to hold your hands up high. It is. Like in a touchdown pose. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, Actually, it's more like catch the baby pose. Catch the baby pose. (laughs) All right. Um, So then once you get your gloves on, if you can do that without looking like a fool, Mm -hmm. which is key. Um. Then you can make your way over to the table. Okay. 
That's where the fun happens. And then put on your gloves. Does it double gloves or single gloves? Um, so I always double glove. Okay. Frequently attendings won't, but. Okay. So wh- why would you double glove? What's the rationale? Uh, because I suck at putting my gloves on. And so if you double glove and you rip one glove, mm-hmm. you don't have to re-glove. Then okay. you still have gloves on. Okay. But your hands get super sweaty inside your gloves. Mm-hmm. And so if you take off your glove, it's impossible to get another glove on. And then you just look like an idiot. This is correct. <laughs> And then it's time to go prepare. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the you know the general public who maybe not understand this process, why is this so important? So to reduce infections mm-hmm. um, and just keep everything as clean as possible okay. for the benefit of the patient and also for the surgeons, especially in, like, for example, uh, like delivering babies, that time you scrub mostly for your own protection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking more about surgery, like, do you... Have time. So you're a third year student now, correct? Mm-hmm. And what was your first rotation that you did? Family medicine. Well, no, I started on cardiothoracic surgery for two weeks of subspecialty. Okay. So here at the University of Utah, um, most blocks are ro- broken down, um, you know, for six weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, six weeks of OBGYN, six weeks of pediatrics, six weeks of psychiatry. However, for family practice, the family practice rotations uh, just four weeks. Then there's two weeks for an opportunity to do a surgical subspecialty. And do you know which ones are offered? Yeah, so you can do cardiothoracic, neurosurgery, orthopedics, um, pediatric surgery. That might be it. Um, oh, optho- op- Ophthalmology. Yeah, ophthalmology. (laughs) And ENT ENT. also. Ear, nose, throat. Yeah. Odolaryngology. Yeah. I can't say that. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. So you did two weeks of carothoracic surgery. Mm -hmm. How'd that go? It was amazing. I assume awesome. It was also funny, though, because I already knew all the docs and Mm -hmm. I knew what to do. So it didn't really feel like I'd started third year yet. Okay, cool. (laughs) And then where'd you do your family practice rotation? I did it at a clinic um, in Holiday, so pretty close to my house. Okay. Cool. Did you, as a med student here, did you get like a say in choosing the surgical subspecialty or a say in the family practice clinic? Yes. So for the subspecialty, you rank all of the subspecialties in order that you're interested in. Okay. Um, And then for family practice, you rank like regions of Salt Lake that you want to be placed at so that you know you could be by your house or did you say regions? Yeah. All right. Like like mountain region and lake region? No. So like, like, there was like, I don't know, East Salt Lake, oh, okay. South right. Salt Lake, oh, okay. you know, right. regions. But you could also do um, family practice anywhere in the U.S. that you wanted to. Okay. If cool. you wanted to coordinate that. Yeah. I know a number of your classmates have gone, you know, they may have family that live in different parts of the country or they've always wanted to hang out in Alaska for four weeks. Mm-hmm. So there's that opportunity to go and do a family practice rotation. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what was your experience during family practice? So my schedule was amazing. Uh, Monday through Friday, we our first patient was at 9 a.m. Okay. And I was usually home by 4.15. Okay. So that was amazing. Okay. Did you take call? No. Did you take call during CT surgery rotation? Yes. Okay. How often was call? Every night. All right. But that was by choice. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about these choices you made. Okay. <laughs> so I've also learned that, Molly, you're pretty active when it comes to seeking surgical opportunities out. Can you tell me some more about this and how this kind of has developed? I would consider it more of an addiction okay. um, to surgery. So I uh, like to be in the OR as much as possible. Okay. So usually in my free time, I will go troll for surgeries. So, okay. you know, wander around the OR, see what's happening, go to the ICU. You know, okay. see what's going on. So even during family practice, mm-hmm. how many surgeries did you um, 
did you take part of or did you shadow during your founding practice rotation? Uh, a lot. Probably like two to three a week. So, okay. you know, times four. And the attending physicians, they're always very welcoming. They're mm-hmm. excited to see you. Yeah. All right. And was this overnight? Um, some of them were somewhere in the day and like on the weekends. Okay. And then during family also, you don't have to be there every single Monday through Friday. You okay. have a certain number of days you have to go. Mm-hmm. And so I scheduled that around when there were cases I wanted to mm-hmm. go do at the hospital. So, Well, I think this speaks to, you know, the flexibility of being a medical student at the U. Um, if you're ambitious, if you set something up, I think our faculty are more than willing uh, to have our medical students shadow them. And you seem to have really taken advantage of the opportunity. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So um, as I tell medical students all the time, like, you know, if you are interested in a particular field or discipline, um, you know, just approach the faculty. Send an email, set a time to meet with them, and, yeah, start shadowing them, start getting involved in research projects. Are you doing any research with the CT surgeons? So not with them, um, with the other doctor that's named Amalia. Okay. Um, I just finished up one project, and I'm currently really hoping another project can get finished by like the end of next week. <laughs> so Amalia, you seem to seek out CT surgeons and individuals who have your same first name. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that seems to be your MO. Okay. Yep. The funny thing is though, so I actually only became connected with the CT surgeons through Amalia. Amalia. Okay. So I see what you know, saying. it all comes back to her. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, I'm glad like, you know, it seems like you and the University of Hospital Medicine have been a great fit. It's really kind of helped. I think you know, so. Your yes. career and your ambitions. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, a couple of years when you match in cardiothoracic surgery. That's its own residency, correct? Yes, but there are only like 30 spots in the U.S. Tell me more about the program. Yeah, so there are six years. It's called an integrated cardiothoracic surgery residency, which I think is a misnomer because it's not integrated. In fact, it's separate. (laughs) So I think there's two paths, correct? Yeah, so you can do, uh, well, there's three. So you can do a traditional general surgery residency. Which is usually... Five years. Five years, okay. And then uh, cardiothoracic surgery fellowship, which is two years, and that's what has been done forever. That's kind of like the standard. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then the new... And, and there are most of the programs are like that. Or yes. the, most of the CT surgeons went down that route. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I think all of them did okay. because none of the new programs have been around long enough. Okay. Um, and then you can do the new integrated cardiothoracic surgery programs, which are six years, mm-hmm. um, and you match straight from med school and... There's not very many of them. Um, so so I, there's six. So you save a year, mm-hmm. and then going back just a step. Just so if you do five years of general surgery, you have to enter a match again mm-hmm. to do the fellowship. Yeah. So one of the advantages of the integrated program, it's one year less, and you only have to go through one match. Yeah. Correct. And okay. then also the current cardiothoracic surgeons like to complain about the number of like colon resections they did and how useful that is in mm-hmm. their current practice. <laughs> <laughs> But you aren't. The caveat is that you're not board certified in general surgery mm-hmm. if you do one of these integrated programs. Why would a cardiothoracic Why would a cardiothoracic surgeon want to be board certified in general surgery? Well, I don't know if you would want to for this reason, but you can take general surgery call, which uh, I think many of them would actually think of as a negative. But okay, you right. know, I don't know. <laughs> you're talking about a world I know nothing about. Yeah. So I, that's why I'm interviewing. <laughs> that's why we're having this discussion. It's awesome. All right, what's the third way? Um, so the third way are programs that I don't entirely understand. So. You, if some programs you can match into their general surgery program, okay, and then somehow you can talk to the residency director for the um, CT fellowship mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, I'm interested in cardiothoracics," and they'll do what's called a, I think it's a four plus three 
And so after four years of general surgery, you like move over and start doing three years of cardiothoracic surgery. I see. And, but these programs aren't like, you don't know you're going to do that when you match into it. So it's really weird and sort of undefined mm-hmm. is my interpretation. So it could be totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, so this sounds like it's not an official program yet. Yeah. So maybe instead of three paths, like two and a half. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Very cool. Well, let's see. You like to spend a lot of time with individuals or physicians named Amalia. Mm-hmm. You like to do cardiothoracic surgery at night mm-hmm. um, with your free time. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people like to go hiking, biking, yeah. <laughs> go to the movies, go out to dinner. You like to jump in on surgeries. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And the third thing I've heard about you, Amalia, you are the shoe expert <laughs> in your class. Yes. Is this true? Maybe. I have a lot of shoes. Where does this come from? Tell me, what was the genesis of this? I don't even know. My mom was not very shoe savvy, so I don't know where I got this from. <laughs> Let's talk about med student shoes. What's what's some good med student shoes, especially during third year? What would you recommend? Okay, you have to have the Dansko clogs. Okay, talk about Dansko. What is that? So it's a brand. Okay. They're, ugh, I want to say like Swedish? I'm not sure. Scandinavian-ish. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that word. Okay. Um. So they're clogs. They're mm-hmm. slip-on because you have to have closed-toed shoes always. Okay. Um, Why? Uh, one, it just is professional. Good. Two, yeah. um, for like safety <laughs> in yes. case you drop sharp objects on mm-hmm. your feet or in case small children decide to stomp on your feet. So to everyone out there, if you get admitted to a hospital and you notice the, the nurses and the physicians are wearing open-toed shoes or sandals, mm-hmm. run away, Mm-mm. run away. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. So dance goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And why are dance goes really good in your opinion? Um, so I like to wear the patent leather ones okay. because they come in like hundreds of fabulous designs. <laughs> I'm currently wearing the red leopard ones. You are rocking it. Yes. yes. And they're very shiny. Okay. And also, uh, this is sort of gross, but they're really easy to wipe bodily fluids off of okay. with a nice little sanitizer wipe. So it sounds like they're fashionable. Mm-hmm. Also, they're very, they have a utilitarian kind of mm-hmm. aspect to them. Oh, and they add like, I don't know, what is that like? Two inches of height. Okay. They're height <laughs> inducers. Yes. Okay. So it sounds like you should be a Dansko spokesperson. Probably. Okay. Um, what about just regular tennis shoes? Because I see a lot of medical students wearing those. You're shaking your head. Uh, Why? That's so sad. <laughs> regular tennis shoes say, in my opinion, I don't like your specialty. I would just like to run away. <laughs> okay. So you can only wear like Danskos or tennis shoes or something of that ilk. Like in rotations where you're wearing scrubs, correct? Yes. I think, yeah, tennis shoes are okay in scrubs unless they're like all white tennis shoes. Then they're never okay unless you're a nursing student. Those are not allowed. Never. Okay. Uh, If they're cool tennis shoes, yeah, we could talk. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.